Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast, where every week, Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a thousand homes per year. In today's episode, Jeff shares how to build your unreal life through listings and what it takes to become an exceptional listing agent. It all starts with mindset. Every successful listing agent thinks in a specific way, and that's reflected in their daily activities. Now, let's hear from Jeff. We put together a list of the mindset of a great listing agent. And quite frankly, one of the ways we completed this, and and Kate is uh, amazing at her research, she looked at, okay, I've known Jeff since basically 2007 or 8. I've studied his business since 2007 or 8. And we also have hundreds of clients now around the country that are great listing agents. And so we sat down and essentially brainstormed, what do they have in common? And although we're going to spend the majority of this retreat talking tactics and strategies, we have to get our mindset straight first. You have to know the foundational beliefs of where we're coming from first in order to receive the information that we're going to share over the next two and a half days. So I wrote down the mindset of a great listing agent. Point number one. A great listing agent values their time above all. A great listing agent values their time above all. A good listing agent understands that it takes three times as long, twice as long to work buyers even longer in this market. Therefore, since we only have a certain amount of hours on this physical earth in any given day or week, we have an an understanding that we have a higher chance of reaching our production goals by focusing on sellers. We just talked about the ROI in your time. The 38 and a half hours versus the 19. Number two. I actually had the notes for that activity, but I'm not gonna make you guys do it. Number two. A great listing agent understands that every day is a job interview. A great listing agent understands that every day is a job interview. What does that mean? Well, do you behave differently on the days of a job interview? Do you behave differently the night before the the morning of your most important job interview ever? Absolutely. Great listing agents show up each day thinking I'm going to be interviewed for a job. That is their mentality, so watch. They prepare accordingly with how they dress, how they prepare, getting the correct amount of sleep, getting their workout in, keeping their energy high. They show up on time. They have their resume prepared, what they're going to present. We're gonna spend some time in in the breakout sessions. I think tomorrow I'm doing one on value proposition. They show up on time, ready to go with the mindset of it's showtime. Great listing agents understand that every day is an interview. I'll never forget early on when I was having a conversation with my very first real estate coach. I said to him, I want to go from 42 transactions to 100 in one year. This was 2007. At the end of 2007, I had this conversation. And he said, Jeff, 42 transactions to 101 year, that's not common, that's not likely, you know, there's only a, this was back when like 100 transactions a year was a big deal. There's not many people going from 40 to 100, so as your coach, you know, I'm going to suggest that we go more like 60 or 70. No, 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 I just got back from an event, I saw people on stage, I can do 100, let's go. He said, okay, I want you to take out a clean sheet of paper, so I did. True story, this is at the end of 07. He said, before you commit to setting a goal of 100, I want to make sure you understand some things, okay? He said, I want you to write down the number 100, and next to that, and I interrupted him, and I said, closings, right? He said, nope. He said, 100 listings sold. Okay, I wrote down 100 listings sold, got it. Well, wait a minute, why am I writing 100 listings sold? He said, well, Jeff, looking at your 07 production, 42 units, he said, 38 of them were listing sales, and four of them were buying sales. 
So it's obvious that either buyers don't like you or you don't like them, which is true. Um, probably both is true. So we're gonna focus on the sellers. Okay, no problem. He said, now I want you to write above 100 listings sold, the number 150. Okay, so here I am writing 150, got it. And what am I writing next to that? He said, next to that, you're gonna write down 150 listings taken. Listings taken. For those of you that haven't been around more than five years, there was actually a day where listings didn't sell. If you're wondering, where's the math? Why are you taking 150 listings that have 100 sales, Jeff? Wouldn't it just be 100? No, yeah, you actually had to take more. I know there's some of you won't, you know, maybe you haven't been taught this language, but there's actually a thing called, um, it's kind of foreign, so for some of you it's been a while, price reductions. Do you guys remember price reductions? Yeah. We actually had to reduce a listing in order to entice someone to buy it. Anyways. He said, you're right, you're gonna have to take 150 listings and have 100 sell. No problem, all right, I got it, I'm, I'm following along. He said, wait, we're not done. He said, above that, I want you to write the number 250. So I do that, 250, and he said, next to that, I want you to write 250 listing appointments gone on. 250 listing appointments gone on, whoa. How did you arrive at that figure? He said, well, Jeff, of your 38 listings that you sold last year, you realize that only about two out of every three sellers signed with you. About 60% of the sellers you met with signed with you, 40% did not. So that means if you're gonna take 150 listings to sell 100 of them, you have to go on 250 appointments. Okay, I, I'm following, I got it, 250. He, he said, wait, we're not done. He said, I want you to write 250 again, right above that. So I did that, 250. What does that represent? That represents days. What do you mean? Well, Jeff, if you subtract Sundays, because I know you don't like working Sundays and I don't ever work Sundays, you subtract some holidays, you subtract some Saturdays off, you subtract time away for real estate conferences, and you subtract days of getting sick, there's about 250 working days in a year. He said, so Jeff, you have to go on one appointment a day if you really wanna sell 100 homes next year. 250 appointments gone on, take 150, sell 100. All right, let's do it. He said, well, Jeff, it's not gonna be that easy. He said, we're gonna have to put a penalty in place. What's that? He said, well, Jeff, I know how much you love door knocking, which I don't. Anybody but me despise door knocking? I can't stand door knocking. You're lying if you're not raising your hands right now, come on. <laughs> I can't stand door knocking. He said, Jeff, here's the deal. I know you can't stand door knocking, but I know it's effective. So we're gonna do a win-win arrangement here. I said, okay, what's that? He said, for every day, you don't have an appointment to go on by noon. Meaning at 12.01, you make a decision. You're either going on a listing appointment later that day or you're door knocking. There's no exceptions to this rule. Jeff, do you want me to hold you accountable to selling 100 homes this year? Yes, I do then that's the rule. Every day you don't have an appointment set by noon that day, you're going to go door knocking. So guess what that meant to this point? Every day was a job interview. Every day I had to suit up professionally. I mean, I was young, so I had to anyways. I was trying to look older. I had to suit up every single day for the idea that I was gonna go out and present because what I learned is that the door knocking experience, you know, going around just listed, just sold, or knocking on a for sale by owner's door, what I learned is that's a job interview. That's an opportunity to have an appointment and make an impression. So every day I suited up with the mentality of I'm getting in front of somebody today, whether it's a listing appointment or door knocking, I have to suit up, I've got no choice. Isn't it amazing how our confidence, our energy, and enthusiasm improves when we're suited up and prepared to present? How likely are you going to be to say yes to an appointment that comes in last minute when you're not prepared to present? How excited are you going to be at the opportunity? Oh, God, I have to go home and change, and I got to shower because I didn't shower for the gym because I didn't have anything on my schedule. By noon every day, I had to go present, whether it be a listing or at the door. By the way, this conversation took place at the end of 2007. In 2008, watch this. I went on 244 appointments. I took 140, you can look this up. It's, it's for those of you that are in Michigan, you probably find it in the MLS. I went on 244 appointments. I took 146 listings. I sold 102 homes in 2008. That was the first time I sold over 100 homes. No, it's not. And what I realized was if I can just do that, Every single day, every single year, I'm gonna be just fine.
By the way, from that point forward, for the last 15 years, I've averaged over 100 sales a year personally. And to one degree or another, with the exception of when I'm doing stuff for Glover U, that's still my mantra. I gotta go see somebody today. I gotta get in front of somebody today. I honestly feel like if I didn't get in front of somebody today, then I wasn't even really in the business. We have a sign in, in our office, it's on the wall, it's been there for years. I had this also written out on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. It said, if I didn't go on an appointment today, seriously, what did I accomplish? If I didn't go on an appointment today, seriously, what did I accomplish? Number three, a great listing agent, habits of great listing agents. Number three, a great listing agent has a growth-oriented, comma, learning-based mentality. A growth-oriented, comma, learning-based mentality. Growth-oriented, learning-based mentality. They're not the agents that sit back and say, I got this thing figured out. I could probably stand up there and teach this material. I could probably do my listening presentation. Two years ago, by the way, I did a listening presentation right here on this stage. We considered bringing it back for this year and actually having one of our clients do it, and I'll tell you that we probably will at our next event. So who would like to apply to present their listing on the stage? All right, I love it, see? Good clients. A great, a great listing agent has a growth mentality, always learning, always growing, and watch this. Always vetting out shiny object syndrome. Vetting out shiny object syndrome. They're studying all the stuff that's thrown our way. Oh, get leads here, buy this, sign up for this. They're not signing up for any of that crap until it's been vetted. By the way, you know that in order to get in our sponsor area back there, every single one of these Vendors have to be vetted by us. And do you know what our vetting process is? We either have to do business currently or have done business successfully in the past. We don't just take a check from anybody. Same thing with great listing agents. They're vetting out constantly the different ideas and straight, not, oh, let's try that for three months. Yeah, go ahead, uh, swipe my card. I can always cancel it if it doesn't work. No, nope. everything's vetted out. Number four, a great listing agent makes business-based decisions, not ego-based decisions. A great listing agent makes business-based decisions, not ego-based. Business-based decisions, not ego-based. Many of us today, whether we like to admit it or not, we make decisions because we'll feel good, it'll look good. I can share this on Facebook. You mean to tell me I can write a check to somebody and they'll endorse me and I can share this with everybody on Facebook? Uh-huh, sign me up. That's not a business-based decision. How many leads will you get from that? How many calls will you get from that? How many appointments will you go on from it? How many contracts will you sign from that? Think about the decisions you're making today. Are you making them for how cool they look on Facebook or how good it is for your business? because the best of the best listing agents today make their business-based decisions not based on their ego, but based on what makes sense, based on track record of others. I had an opportunity years ago to join a mastermind group that you had to pay to belong. And one thing I did before I got involved, and I decided actually not to get involved, I interviewed a lot of the agents that were in that mastermind group. And what I learned was there was a lot of good nuggets of information that came from that. And don't get me wrong, it helped me with my marketing, the conversations that I was involved in during that process. But I didn't join the mastermind group because what I recognized is a lot of the stuff that was taking place and the propaganda was being shared and the messaging was all, all ego. I mean, we have real estate agents with real estate licenses that take 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 hours to earn walking around acting like they're celeb local celebrities. I mean, seriously, it's crazy. We're, we're realtors. I mean, you don't see you know, small business owners or successful business owners doing that stuff. Look at our CEO panel. No egos up here at all. Why do we behave that way? I don't know. Number five, great listing agents value rejection. They thrive off rejection. Great listing agents thrive off rejection because 
it means they're working with someone who's likely to work with them. Great listing agents thrive off rejection because it means we're working with someone who's likely to sign a contract with us. The more rejection I get, the more money I make. The more I put myself in situations where buyers and sellers are rejecting me, giving me objections. You know, an objection is just that, that just means they're considering working with me. Don't forget on day three, I'm going to sit up here in a stool, answer every single objection you have. So if you didn't get a card from the coach's booth, they're at the coach's booth, all right? So Taylor, if they're not there yet, make sure they're there. Go grab one, fill it out, turn it in. Those get turned into the Glover U coach's booth. Wednesday morning, I'll be answering all of them. Number six, a great listing agent, a great listing agent starts every day from a zero mindset. A great listing agent starts every day from a zero mindset. That means they understand that nothing is guaranteed in the commission, until the commission check is cashed. And they show up every appointment like it's the most important appointment they have. Agents today get so you know, caught up in their transactions, right? It's, it's amazing to me how agents, you know, good month, bad month, good month, bad month, top listing agent of the month is nowhere to be found the next month, top listing agent of the month, gone the next month. Well, that's because we take our foot off the gas to service the business we have. And then there's something, you know, subconsciously that says, well, you couldn't possibly handle more business. You can't even handle the business you have. Whoa, get rid of that mindset right away. You can always handle more business. You'll find a way. Great listing agents start every day from zero. Finally, point number seven, a great listing agent has prioritized skills-based selling. A great listing agent has prioritized skills-based selling, dot, 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 a great listing agent has prioritized skills-based selling, dot, 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 over personality-based selling. Skills-based selling, dot, 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 over personality-based selling. Think about it. We all have personalities. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Hopefully yours is towards the latter. The better the personality, the more business you'll do. I think everybody knows that. And for a lot of us, we have what is considered a personality-based business. And by the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing. What is bad, though, is you, I promise you, you'll hit a ceiling. You will have a ceiling. If your business is based on your personality, you are going to have a ceiling. Until you adapt and accept the fact that I have to switch from a personality-based business, which you still get to keep your great, pleasant personality, so that's good, to a skills-based business which is what we say and how we present and what we share. You understand that if for the foreseeable future, buyers and sellers make a decision on who they're hiring based on how you make them feel. Listing presentations, buyer consultations. The consumer is making a decision to hire you based on how you make them feel. Well, how do you make them feel a certain way? Based on what you say. What comes out of here controls how they feel. And their feeling could be good, could be bad, could be indifferent, is what causes them to sign a contract. Here's the challenge with that. You're only one person, there's only so much time in the day. So how do you go from personality to skills-based? Well, you create systems, which we're gonna spend some time talking about over the next two and a half days. A great listing agent has prioritized skills-based selling over personality based skilling, based selling, day in, day out. In one of our coaching programs, I would say probably our, one of our most popular or the original one was listing mastery, which is still available. And by the way, this is not, you know, we're not here to pitch coaching to you all day. I know what it's like being at an event and all they do is sell coaching, sell coaching. But when we have an opportunity to share with you a program that has made a difference in the lives of now hundreds, we're gonna share it with you. 
And anytime you have a question on any of that, go see our staff at the booth. We're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to bring up our first one-on-one interview. And this particular gentleman is somebody that I have respected for a long time, for many different reasons, which you'll see in a moment. And when I think about skills-based selling, this is somebody who, in my opinion, has mastered it at a pretty high level. When we conduct interviews, whether it's one-on-one or panels, know that I'm always going to ask the tough questions. And they're prepared for that. You know, I I wasn't too tough on our CEOs because I want them to come back. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm interviewing our agent panels, I get tough. I want to know. Tell me more about that, right? You know, we go to events and and people are talking rah-rah of all the stuff they do. And I'm thinking, huh? Tell me more about that. And that's what we're going to do here in a moment. So do me a favor and turn to a clean sheet of paper in your workbook because you're going to want a spot to write some answers based on our conversation. And join me in welcoming Mr. Gino D'Angelo to the stage. Come on up, Gino. We're not doing the zodiac signs this year? Uh, if you want to start with that, we can. You know, I, I, I felt like that might, um, we might leave that in 2020. Okay, you let's know, do it. It's, uh, it's one of the few things that we probably can do without. Anyways, Gino D'Angelo. Gino, um, you've obviously been, we've known each other now, it feels like forever. Right. Uh, because we've seen each other at our events, and of course, you were on stage at, uh, you were in a panel um, in Orlando, was that? I was. Or was it, yep, yeah. So some of our audience had a chance to hear in Orlando, but for the most part, 90% have not. So why don't we start off with um, before real estate? I think it's important anytime we have someone on stage sharing what they're doing to succeed, and we'll get into that in a moment, it's it's good to know the backstory, right? Same thing we did with the CEOs. I want to know, what did you do before real estate, right? So for you, what was that? Went to high school. You went to high school. Sounds familiar. You know, I've, this is my 18th year in real estate, which means you and I were in the same pre-licensure class at eight years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In Michigan, you can get licensed at that age. That Luckily. helps. So you went right from high school to real estate. I did. When I was, uh, I grew up in a small rural town called Indian River, which is about two hours from here. And my exposure, my, my family owned a construction company, and I thought that's way too, that's too hard of work for me to want to do as a career. And like the highest level business person I knew was their real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So I thought... Why not become a real estate agent? So you grow up in a small town, and you're seeing some pretty successful realtors in town, wearing nice clothes, driving nice cars. Absolutely. Right? So, hey, why not? Um, When you made the decision to get in the real estate business, did you interview a lot of brokers? Did you get advice from people? How did that, what did that process look like? No, I literally called my parents' realtor. I was at college at Oakland University. I thought I wanted to, this is a funny story, actually. I thought I wanted to sell in Metro Detroit where I was in college, and I kept calling the Schweitzers, which means you probably are the guy that didn't call me back. <laughs> oh, gosh. I was the recruiter for a coal banker Schweitzer. Right. Uh, in During that time. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This was 06, 07, so not me. It, no, was, okay. it was probably my friend Lloyd Odell over here who was, <laughs> was, was, a, man, he was a manager, too, with me. Um, Anyway, so we, we confirmed this was 03 or 04. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was still with Century 21. All right. Okay. By the way, pay a lot of respect to the Schweitzers. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for them. So you were, you were thinking of moving to Detroit and doing business there. Yeah. Why did you, A, have, have that thought, and B, why did you decide to stay back? You know, when you grow up in a small town, um, you know, the big city lights appeal to you, being able to go to a Pistons game, you know, it wasn't like an all-day event like it is when you live up north. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's gotten better, but just the accessibility to the city and, you know, the fast-paced life. And um, I ended up staying back because I got an internship with an agent at a cold banker office in Mackinac City, which is a small, very small resort town. Sure. Up by the, by the tip bridge. of the state, by the bridge. Absolutely. And I hung out with her for a summer, sold one house, and decided... I can do this on my own. And I dropped out of college and started my career in real estate. Yep. So you stayed with that same company? I was with Colda Banker. It was called Northern Lakes at the time. Mm-hmm. 
And this is like 2005, 2006, and right in the thick of the financial crisis. And they closed their office, and I moved to Coldebanker Fairbairn, which is in Alanson, which is like halfway between Mackinac City and Petoskey. Okay. And you're operating as a solo agent, just trying like the, to Yeah, the worst solo agent in the history yeah. of the world. So what were, what were you doing? I mean, like, my first year I sold one house, my second year I sold three houses and five houses. I mean, I've been doing this as long as Jeff, but this has been, sometimes when I think back, I wonder why the hell did I keep going? Yeah, I'm obviously you? glad I did, but yeah. I don't know if I was just young and naive, but when I think back to those days, it's like, why didn't I just go do anything else? Yeah, yeah, well, good thing you didn't. Right, <laughs> right. God. Three feet from gold. That's, that's right, that's, that's probably it. Yeah, three feet from gold. So um, when, when was it in your career where you finally thought and, and, and saw in your numbers, all right, I got this thing kind of figured out. Where, when did that start? So we talk about exposure, mm -hmm. and the years I was selling five, six houses, I was also doing, it's embarrassing to say now, 300 BPOs. And he's here tonight, or today, and one day I did a BPO for a, the top agent in our area, and he called me into his office and said, hey, why don't you come to work, you know, why don't you come work here? And I thought, wow, this is great. It's like going from, you know, Cold Bank or the Detroit Tigers to like the Yankees. Yeah. So. I accepted his offer, and Pat Levy, he's in the fourth or fifth row, top agent in Northern Michigan, um, and I was doing like three million a cold banker, and when I joined Pat's office, I did like eight million the first year, sheerly from being exposed to someone. So what did you do different? Um, the exposure yeah. causes, and that's, that's why coming to events is so great. Right. Exposure causes us to take action in a different way. So you must have taken action in a different way. It was literally just watching him on the phone and seeing someone that was making a ton of money in real estate who still called himself a salesperson, who took pride in being just a flat out, you know, he wasn't a CEO, he wasn't a, you know, influencer, he was just a salesperson. Wait, he didn't put the title CEO on his business card? He should, but he didn't. You know, and he owns the company, if somebody asked him, yeah. he would just say he's a realtor. I mean, no, sure. anytime I see, you, I you see this in this industry all the time, you know, I see, you know, Real estate CEO, okay, show me your board of directors that, that right. report to you, right? Come on, right. we're real estate agents. The faster you accept the fact that we're salespeople, the greater chance you're gonna have of succeeding. I mean that. Quit buying into your own you know, press reports and press clippings. I mean, the faster right. you accept that you're a real estate agent, embrace it. Learn how to become a successful salesperson. You don't need all those fancy titles and those letters after your name. So obviously you were working for somebody that had that same mentality. Absolutely. And hardworking, grinding, learning, you know. So talk to me about that process. I mean, were you learning scripts? Who were you talking to? Where was your business coming from? No, it wasn't even the scripts. It was just the goofy stuff he would say to people on the phone that caused them to do what they wanted him to do. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure Pat has his own script book in his head, but just hearing the way he was able to, you know, and some of the, we, you know, my brokerage now, we still keep some of the, you know, time kills deals and all the little stuff that he used mm -hmm. to say that yeah. just has stuck with us and sort of become our foundation. Yeah. So um, at that point, you were doing about, at your peak in that brokerage, how many units were you closing? Like 40. 40 a year. 40 a year, 30, 30, 40. Yeah. Yep. And then um, fast forward to, okay, what year is this when you're at that company? 2012. Okay, so at this point in time, you're like, yep, this is for me. I'm going to build a big career in real estate, right? You, yeah, so that I, sold, was confirmed. I made you know, $120,000, sold $8 million, and of course, I decided it was time. I needed a team. You know, I was mm -hmm. I needed a team, which you I needed did. help. Yeah. I, I thought I needed a team, turns out I didn't. So I left that company and we didn't we don't have, we do a little bit now, but we don't have a Keller Williams in northern Michigan. We had mm -hmm. Cola Banker had a they, what they said was a team model, which turned out to not be entirely true. So I went to Cola Banker and started a team and did every single thing the wrong way. I was going through, I went through five assistants in five years, you know, had a bunch of people, sold less houses than I did as a solo agent, and that's when I went to my first Glover U event in Battle Creek. Okay, and so you went through this process of thinking, well, the next, the next trans, you know, the next place to go is, is gotta have a team, gotta have a team. And it ended up being less profitable than Terrible being a idea. salesperson. Terrible right. idea. And we find that with a lot of real estate agents today. They're making great money as real estate salespeople and they feel like, well, the next level is gotta have a team. Right. And the reality is, is that my response every time is, uh, all right, are you okay with a substantial decline in income for the next few years? No, all right, well then you might want to consider that. A and B, are you ready to be a leader? Are you ready to be a manager of people? Because at the end of the day, people start teams and go to that level for the wrong reasons. They do it because it looks cool on paper, they can say I have a team and all this, but at the end of the day, 
the money's in sales, and we and know then, that. And, and there was a big, and there was a big pushback then that everybody needed a team. I mean, sure, that was really the red book was out. And yep. So um, you made the decision then at what point in time to switch brokerages, and what did your production look like then? So I stayed at that Colda Banker office for probably another three or four years mm -hmm. while getting heavily involved with Glover U. Your first event was where? Battle Creek. Fire, Battle Creek. Firekeeper. Firekeeper's yep. Casino. Yep. Yep. I sat in the front row just like my girl Jess and just took notes like crazy. Yep. And, and that was your first exposure to any real event. How did you end up there? How did, like, what caused you to say, I gotta get to this event? I saw you did the event in Mount Pleasant and I didn't go for whatever reason. And I think, honestly, I think, um, Zach, who's an agent on my team, was my first agent. I think we were just looking for something to do, and we thought, you know, I followed you for years from Real Trends and, you know, the Tigers and that sort of thing, and we thought we'd come down to the dead of winter and check you guys out. So when you, when you say you followed us, what, what do you, and I'm asking this question not from a, like, an ego standpoint, but really from a, how do you follow someone, and what do you, why would you follow someone, and what do you take away yeah. from that, right? Like, what, what caused you to do that, and what did you learn from that experience? Just watching you on social media and you know different interviews you had done on YouTube with other coaching companies and you know I'd be lying if I said I remember exactly how I followed you but my guess is just social media and mm -hmm. you were making the I think you were, the Glover you was sort of in its infancy brand new at the time yeah, probably yeah. yeah so you show up to Battle Creek and what did you walk away from from that event thinking you know the first day Kate Simon who's been my coach for years was on stage and she told the story about smuggling a microwave into the hotel to stick to her diet, and also, you didn't know how much a banana cost. <laughs> so I thought, I want, the, I want the person that's so disciplined that they're smuggling a microwave into the hotel to stick to their meal plan. I also want the guy that's too busy to know how much bananas cost. And I thought, this is, these are the people I need to follow. A bundle of banana, can you, can you actually buy a single or do you have to buy them in a bundle? I don't know either, I'm too busy. <laughs> I, I really think, it, I mean, they're probably, what, five bucks for a bundle of them or something? Do they sell them? Is it half dozens? How do they determine? I don't know. I think it's by the pound. By the pound. Oh, you drop them in the little grocery yeah. store weighing thing. They, they still have those? Anyways. <laughs> so you came to this event, and, yeah. and Kate's smuggling a microwave to, to meal plan and meal prep because she's so disciplined with that. And I'm up here talking about not even knowing what the cost of a banana is because that's not what my focus is. Yeah. And so what... What was it that you said, all right, based on that discussion, or even just the, the breakouts or whatever else from that event that caused you to say, yeah. I need to go back and implement A, B, and C? Just how, just no, I've said this on my other interviews, no fluff. It was so meat and potatoes. And I'm used to going to the big brand conventions where it's all fluff and no meat and potatoes. And I went there knowing that, man, this Jeff Glover guy is dialed into selling real estate. And I thought, if I just latch onto this and follow the plan, then maybe it will get to where I'm going. And you pointed out that I had done everything all wrong, and um, I just felt like I just needed that level of leadership in my life. We all need someone to look up to and report 100%. to, right? And I love what you just said, I needed that leader in my life, because there's a lot of agents that I've met through the years that are really just missing a leader. 100%. Right? They're missing a mentor. They're missing a person. And, you know, you've heard me say this before, and, and although you're an independent broker now, that's always been my concern for independent brokers. Right. Because who are you looking up to? At this point in time, you're not providing any revenue for somebody, right? You know, you you're may have heard of the, wealth. Right. Yeah. You're, who's your wealth determiners, right? If you determine wealth for somebody else, then they're going to look out for you naturally. That's just the way the world works. But if you're not determining wealth for somebody, meaning you're not helping someone also become wealthy, then who's going to look out for you? You have to hire it, right? You have right. to come to Glover U or whatever. So you, you hitched onto the wagon from a, from a business uh, sales and professional standpoint. Yep. What happened next in your business? And, what, what toward, and not so much, you know, I'm not just saying that to, oh, how did Glover U make a difference in your world? I mean, like, what did you change? And what, did your, what happened with your production? So we changed everything, really. I hired... Started with prospecting boot camp after Battle Creek. It was a huge financial commitment of $400 a month. And halfway through that, Kate was teaching prospecting boot camp at the time. Halfway through that, I said, hey, I'm going to hire her as my one-on-one -on -one coach. Mm -hmm. And then I just took every, I just went, I only do things one way. I either do it all or I don't do it at all. And I yep. took every single Glover U class, one-on-one. -on -one. Kate and I were talking two times a week sometimes. And my production went from like 38 sales to 85 in one year. In one year. In one year. 38 to 85. Come on. That's good. That's big. So 
I didn't have you up here to pitch the program, so we're not here to talk about the I programs. I won't mention it again. But what I do want to know is, what did you take from those programs that you implemented? Because if I'm here in the audience, I might be saying, well, let's just see if I can get the goods without actually paying for it. So honestly, that's fine. What did you take away from the program that you were able to implement that year that caused you to go from 38 to 85, or any particular program? I think it was just the focus on selling. You know, when I was building a team, I was more worried about adding people and trying not to sell myself. But even back in Battle Creek, one of my biggest ahas was, hey, I still need to be a salesperson. Yeah. And, you know, the prospecting boot camp, it, it's just all skills. I mean, I wrote the scripts out like everybody else did and yep. practiced my listening presentation. Do you know how many people today are trying to, to avoid the sales process, right? They're trying to either hire it out or yep. create a system or, or, or sign up for this or sign up for that to get somebody else to do it for them? What, do you feel, what are your thoughts on that it's, now? Uh, it's impossible to do that. It's impossible. I think it's, it's impossible for me. Maybe somebody out there is smarter than I am. But and why I, is that? I think the effort it takes to do that is five times as hard as it is just to do it yourself. Okay. What do you mean by that? Even with agents on my team now, the effort it takes to help them sell one house, I could sell five houses by myself. Got it. I feel. So... In that year, 38 to 85, let's, let's keep talking about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. you, you accepted that you're a salesperson. I did. And at the time, you're a salesperson today, but you weren't really a salesperson, right? You're, you're, your scripts weren't that strong, right? No, personality-based. Right? You were personality-based. Personality-based. So what was it like to go from, and that was one of the seven points, as yep. you heard backstage, what was it like to go from personality-based to skills-based? It what, felt like you were in more control. It felt like you could have control over a situation and you can connect with more people and not just connect with the ones that like to goof around like I do. It helped mm -hmm. to, you know, have the skills to connect with the analytical. I'm not an analytical. I'm, you know, the last name from an analytical. And just to be able to connect with all types of personalities and different types of people. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I wonder that because there's so many people I know that are great successful mm -hmm. agents as personality-based real estate agents. And, and I feel like they fight me constantly right. on, well, why do I have to be skills-based if I'm doing okay as personality-based? What would you say to that? It's hard to train others to be personality-based. Can you repeat that? It's hard to train other agents. If you have a team or lead other agents, it's hard to train that. It's you, hard to train others to have your personality. It is. It's easy to train the skills. It's impossible. You have to find somebody just like you yep. to train the personality. Bingo. Which is impossible again. Yep. So you went from 38 to 85, and what year was that? 2019. 2019. 2019. So one year. And you've taken listing mastery, prospecting, basically Everything. anything that Business was a mastery, program. Yeah. Can you share with us when you went through the progression of, you started with prospecting boot camp. Just give us like one nugget from each. And I know it wasn't in the question, so forgive me. I'm putting Gino on the spot here. One thing you took away from each one of those, starting with prospecting boot camp. What was your one takeaway from that? Know your scripts. No, mastering the mastering scripts. scripts. You hadn't done that before. No, I mean I just would call and they'd answer the phone and I'd have ask my way through it and I had no repeatable process. So what comes to mind when people when you hear people say, "Oh, you got to master your scripts. You got to master your scripts." What does that actually mean in your mind? Like how do you, how do you master scripts? You do what you did. You write them out. You chant them. You role play. You consistently do the activity every day. Mm -hmm. Got it. So from prospecting boot camp, you then took what? One-on-one -on -one coaching. One-on-one -on -one coaching with Kate. Kate. And what was your number one takeaway from that in your first year? Yeah, Kate, I had gone through five assistants. Kate helped me hire and train my current assistant, Candace, who's going to be the director of operations one day. Who, who's, mm -hmm. I could not have gotten to where I've gotten without her. Yeah. And, and Candace came from, this is not a you know, business-savvy individual. She's a 23-year-old girl who worked at customer service at a casino. And yep. Kate helped me take that person and turn her into what I consider a world-class assistant. Awesome. She's in the room today? She's not. Okay. She's holding down the phone. We'll make sure we get her the recording so she can hear you talk highly ever. <laughs> so um, you, you, you learn, what I want to know, and if I'm in the audience, I would want to know this. What did you do differently with her that you didn't do with the other five that you went through? Because agents all the time, oh, I can't find an assistant. Oh, my assistant just quit. Oh, we went through so many assistants. What was different about that? You know, obviously you got you worked with Kate, right. and you guys did A, B, C, D, E, whatever that was. What was that that was different this time versus the first time? I actually had a hiring process. I didn't just pick the first person that had a pulse that was near me. What is your what what hiring process did you? So by the way, that's okay. Almost every agent when they first decide they want to hire an assistant, that's hey, 
I'll be your assistant. Come on in. You're hired, right? Like, that's, that's the process. Do you know who my first assistant was? I don't. The kid that put my signs in. The kid that put your signs in, yeah. Why? Because he said, hey, there. you know, I'd like, like to be your assistant. You. It was right? the worst thing ever. So what was the process that you implemented? <laughs> what was the process that you implemented? We, you know, Kate helped me create an ad, and we put it on Indeed, and we actually, like, got resumes and went mm-hmm. through them and looked to make sure Candace didn't have neck tattoos and actually put some thought into the types of people we were. Not, nothing against people with neck tattoos. We just put some, you know, that's a thing these days. I know. You know I, regret, I regret saying that. We'll cut that from the recording. Thank you. So you had a process in place. How many interviews? You know, again, if I'm in the room and I'm doing yeah, 40, course. 50 no, transactions, we, I want to know interviewed. how do I hire an assistant. Yeah. He just said, my assistant is going to be our director of operations one day. How do I get to that point? So it's, it's, not, it's simple, but it's not easy. Put an ad out. We got 30, 40 resumes, whittled it down to 10, called, had another screening process to get to three. Um, and then once I hired Candace, probably the thing I did best, and I learned this from Pat because this is what he does, this is what he did with his assistant, Ashley, is they just, Candace just sat on the other side of the desk for me for two years. And I, there's a picture on the internet that, of Candace and I in a very small office, just the two of us, just yeah. working in and out all day and yep. we're getting to learn how I do things. And that is the absolute, by the way, that's the same 100%. program we did with Taylor Kerrigan, yep. right? Years of sitting across, and they were spot, they start to just, basically take on your language. Responding to the emails the same way you do, responding to phone calls the same way you do. And does Candace operate as an executive assistant or a transaction coordinator or both? Both right now. We're, we're in that messy middle where we probably need a transaction coordinator, but our transactions just I don't think are high enough yet. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. And if she can handle both, that's even better. Mm-hmm. So when, when you think of executive assistant versus transaction coordinator, in your mind, what's the difference? Executive assistant is you. Mm-hmm. A transaction manager is just somebody, or it's just somebody that manages the transaction. They're just blocking and tackling. An executive assistant is you. What does that mean? They should be they should be able to to, to fill in as you. Like right now, Candace is at the office and responding to emails as me, and nobody knows any better. Yep. And that's I think that's hard for a transaction coordinator. And do you know that most real estate agents would prefer to hire a transaction manager or a listing manager or a listing coordinator or something yeah. first, right? Do you know why that is? It's easier to train. Easier to train, A, and B, control. Right. Most personality-based agents have problems giving up control because nobody could do it better than me. Nobody could do it better. The reality is, is that when you hire an executive assistant, the number one thing you give up is control. If you want your business to grow, you have to give up control. If you want your business to grow, you have to give up control. Now watch this. Will your customer service go down for a bit? Absolutely it will. Yeah, maybe instead of you know, getting a 99% rating on every transaction, you get a 94% rating on every transaction. You're gonna have to put up with that for a little bit until they get to that, until that point. And then here's what's cool. And I heard it in what he just explained of, Candace will go one day from executive assistant to director of operations. And you know what that means? That means she's not only gonna help you improve your current experiences with your clients, Okay, so it's a little bit of a step back so you can take two steps forward later, but also help you grow the business. Absolutely. Right. So let's fast let's go closer to today. 2020. Mm-hmm. How many so you went from 39-ish or 38 to 85. You did 85 after our event, one year yeah. after that event. Okay, because yeah, that event was in 2018. Right. So then 2020, what'd you do? I think we're in 95, 96. 95, 96. And what was your volume? 21 million? 21 million, yeah. yep. And that's just you and an assistant. No, right? it's me and assistant and a buyer's agent. You and assistant and a buyer's agent, all right. And why did you make the determination to find someone to help you with buyers? Because I was sick of dealing with Zillow leads. Because you were sick of dealing with Zillow leads. Okay, that's a pretty easy reason, I guess. Not a good one, but an easy one. Sure. So do they show homes and write contracts? What, what do they do? <clears throat> They show homes, write contracts, um, work with all of, I, I have the same disdain for buyers that you do. I'll, I'll work with you know, a friend or maybe a higher price point, but I don't like showing houses, mm-hmm. I just don't enjoy it. So you look at it as, hey, I have the opportunities, let's help someone else be successful. And, and my buyer's agent's great with buyers, he's yeah. better than I am at it. Yeah. yeah, we find in this industry, you're either a buyer's agent or a listing agent, Usually. even if you're trained to do both, which I've always been a big believer of everyone should be trained to do both, 
you're always gonna gravitate towards one or the other. And so you know my response to that is, if you're in this room and you are buyer heavy or buyer focused, use the showing agent model. Right. So that way you can still take more listings and you can be a great buyer's agent. You just don't show homes anymore. You know, Yes, you have to take a little bit less commission, but somebody does all the showings. And you know in a buyer transaction, do you know of the 38 and a half hours, over 60% of that time, maybe 65% of that time, is spent showing homes? So if we can eliminate the most time-consuming part, now the buyer transaction and the seller transaction is the same ROI in our time, so long as I'm not the one doing the showings. So talk to me about your, your business today. Where does most of you, you know, because I know you're listing heavy, yep. and this is a listing retreat this year. So where do most of your listing leads come from? I have competitors in the crowd, so I'm a little bit hesitant to say this. But he's the most abundant guy you'll ever meet, so, so he's gonna tell you exactly where. <laughs> So, Bill Winslow, wherever you are, get your notepad out. We get a, we're doing really well on the list. He's very competitive, too, if you can We tell. get the, we do, we, you know, for sale by owner expired. We don't have a ton of expires in our market. Um, for sale by owners is a big one for you. Not as big as we'd like because they're selling, you know, in the first day. We do really well at the listing portals like HomeLight, uh, whatever the other. Listing portals like online referral sites. HomeLight yeah, Home is one. Yep. Yeah. Um, what, let, let's just talk about that one for a second because I know a lot of agents do well with those. Mm -hmm. What are one or two things that agents can do to succeed with a company like Homelight or an online, because Homelight's not in every market. Right. What would you say is like, why do you do well with Homelight? And by the way, if you just Google, if you just write down, sell my home in blank city, list my home in blank city, the ads at the top, those are going to be the online portals that he's referring to. Every city calls, every city has a different one. All, you know, by the way, back in the day, you know who used to take those ad spaces on Google? Real estate agents and brokerages. But these guys got all their capital together, raised, raised money, and now we can't compete with them on Google AdWords. So they buy, list my home in Traverse City, sell my home in Detroit, and consumers, they kind of intercept consumers and then give you that lead for a referral fee. Now before you get mad, well yeah, that's why I don't work those, because I gotta pay a referral fee. If I had a deal for you, if you're an agent in right. Toledo and I've got a referral, you're gonna pay me a referral fee. Why wouldn't you pay a company referral fee? They're just beating us at our own game. So how do you win with online portals? Because obviously it's a big portion of your listings today. So one of the group coaching classes we took was operations mastery. And part of that was we implemented the five reviews for the $50 gift card and one of the five is Homelite. So all of our clients review us on Homelite. Yep. And we upload our sales and... So what, what I heard in that is you took uh, operations mastery. Yep. I didn't they, take it. Candace took it. Candace took it, and they taught her the review pro, pro, program or yep. profile. Can you share with us what that is? I vaguely know it, so yep, that's okay. I'll do my best. So every time we have a, a closing, we send an email with we send an email to our client asking them to review us on five different sites. I think it's Google, Facebook, Zillow, Homelight. I don't know what the fifth one is. And if they do that, we give them a $75 gift card to whatever restaurant they want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, you know, you're just buying, you know, are, don't you feel like you're just buying the review? And we say, no, the, we want them to give us an honest review. The 75 bucks is for the hassle of going to the five sites. Yeah, it's, it's for their time. Right, it's for their time. It's not to get them to leave us a glowing review. That's right. And so you send this to them in an email after the transaction. After the transaction, and Candace is vigilant about following up on it. Mm -hmm. And getting them to review you yeah. in the five places. And so Homelight is one of them. Home and you've got a lot of great reviews on Homelight. And then every sale, we put our past sales on there because Homelight yep. targets you based on where you sell houses. Yep. So you upload your sales every single time. Every single time. Um, what about the back end of the system? How often do you go into the back end of their system and update their leads? Candace does that every day or every whatever. Every some day. some schedule. Yes. That's a big one, by the way. We've talked to a lot of the, the higher-ups at those companies. It's important. And they say the number one thing they use to determine who's getting opportunities is how often you log into their system and update their leads. Even if you just log in and say left message, left message, send a text, left message, left message, send a text. Go into the back end of those systems and update every single day. You're going to get more opportunities. So that's a big source of listings for you. Where's another big source of listings? People we know. People you know. Yeah. Like database. Database, yeah. Yep. And how do you get listings from your database? I think we, we get a lot of it through social media and not putting, and, not, and I'm not talking about landing pages. I think it's just putting out there that, you know, gently that we're realtors or, you know, fun stuff that we're doing in the community. So would you consider social media, say, for instance, Facebook, as part of your database? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you do consciously to make sure you're staying in front of your database on social media? Interact with them, communicate. Um, 
they have a birthday, tell them happy birthday. If they something, you know, their mom dies, tell them, sorry, your mom died. You know, just try to stay on top of mind by just being an actual person more than being a real estate agent. Um, the best, some of the best advice I ever got about being a realtor is make sure everybody knows what you do and then just be an okay person and the yep. business will come to you. Yeah, just be a minimum of okay. Right. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's like on a scale from one to 10. Just be a five, but know a lot of- Don't overachieve. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, all right. What else have you implemented from the programs that you've taken that you can share? I mean, literally everything. We just hired, since Orlando, we've hired two new agents, Chris Eckerman, who we uh, recruited from another brokerage, and Leah Wasserman, who was a literal stay-at-home mom who sold $2 million in real estate in three months. Mm-hmm. And it's all through just, when somebody joins our team, we have a 30, 60, 90, and it is all Glover. What is your training program? Um, I actually put them through SLS? Not SLS yet. But we start, I don't have it. Candace puts them through the first 30 days is buyer mastery, then, or I'm sorry, listing mastery, then buyer mastery, prospect oh, okay. then listing. Then Got it. So I can save you a few bucks. SLS is cheaper and you can get basically all of that. But I'm just making so much money that it's, it's okay. <laughs> all right. I'll give you a hundred bucks after, I all promise. Right. Thank you for that. All right. So talk to me about, it's 2021. We're halfway through the year. Where's your business coming from right now? Top two or three sources. People we know database, yep. still Zillow in the listing portals. Zillow, you're buying Zillow leads, how dare you? It's the stupidest thing in the world. But. So you have a presence on Zillow, obviously reviews, sales, so forth, but it's profitable, otherwise you wouldn't do it. So it's, we've been the number one advertiser in Zillow in our area for years, meaning we spend the most. And one of the things I really need to change, and this is a lesson to anybody in the crowd, is the model of buying Zillow leads and giving them to a buyer's agent was great until for us this year. And it was yeah. sort of like, uh-oh, this, this isn't going to work anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. Because it's not as profitable. It's just, right. it's Agents hard. are growing big businesses and walking across stage and accepting trophies. I mean, two years ago I shared on this very stage that I lost half a million dollars right. two years in a row because we, got, we went crazy with advertising. Million bucks. If I wouldn't have a million bucks in my savings account, I wouldn't be here. Right. I mean, it went from literally it was a million down to zero. <laughs> and I had to figure out a way to turn around. And you know how we turned around. We figured out how to match our database, right. which you know, we ended up sharing with everybody down in Orlando. But and that's, and that's my big thing this year. Is, and it's hard because I'm trying to turn a buyer-based team into a listing-based team. We're going to do it out of necessity, but yeah. it's hard. So you've always had, you know, obviously your business has been listing-based, but your agents, you've said, you guys are going to work these buyer leads and you're going to have success, and obviously people can have yeah. success with buyer leads. How are you going to change it from buyer-based to listing-based? You know, it's funny, just by saying it out loud, just by having my, um, Zach is my best buyer's agent, has been with me for four years, just by having him say out loud, I'm going to get more listings, miraculously, he's getting more listings. It's yeah. the strangest thing in the world. So it's a mindset? Just a mindset. Starts with a mindset? Mindset. What, what, are, what are you doing differently or what is he doing differently from a tactic standpoint? So we added two, he was getting about 50 to 60 Zillow leads a month, which is way too many for one person. Oh, yeah. So we added two more people, spread it out, There's, everybody's happy, and now he's- So he has time. more time. More time. Yep. Are you using the showing agent model yet? We, we're not, and my poor excuses were so seasonal that we need, it for, we need that person for such a small window mm-hmm. that it's something I need to work on with Kate. So your business is not big enough then? It's not big enough. Because if your business was big enough, even when it goes down, there's still enough income to support their family or whatever during that time. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, that's all right. That's my job. <laughs> so last couple questions I have for you. Best thing that you've implemented, because one of the reasons why I had you up here is because you know our system inside and out. Absolutely. Best thing that you've implemented from what we've taught you, A, and B, what do you still have left to implement minus the showing agent model? The best thing would just be the assistant. I know it's the simplest, but one of the best luxuries as a real estate agent is when you get that person in place and you can come to an event like this and just be 100% present. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not in the hall answering phone calls or stressed because you got a pissed off client. You're just here. And that's... And the thing that I need to implement the most is going back to making my team, it's easy as a leader to say, I'm gonna buy these Zillow leads, give them to you, you're gonna get an ROI. The trick is being a better leader and helping my, the agents on my team become strong listing, strong listing agents. So to get to the next level, you have to become a better leader. I do, a way better leader. So number one, uh, kudos to you for acknowledging that because I'll tell you, in this industry is, is full of great agents who just naturally, sometimes by default, 
end up having more leads that they can handle and agents are attracted to that and they join their team and next thing you know they got a team of 20 people and then it implodes and then they start over and then it builds up to 15 people and then it implodes and then they start over and you know why that is, right? Zero leadership skills. Because most people in the real estate sales business weren't in a leadership position before. They were in sales before or something totally unrelated to the industry. So in your mind, what do you, by the way, I, I was very fortunate to start with the Schweitzers. Right. 18 months, 20 months into my career, they hired me to manage one of their offices. So I learned how to train and recruit and manage and become a leader, essentially. So in your mind, what do you have to do differently to go from salesperson to leader? And by the way, when I say that, I'm not saying you're giving up on one and going to the other. Be very, I want to be very clear that I believe the, one of the best forms of leadership is leadership by example. Right. Right, and at the end of the day, this whole idea of, yeah, I just got out of production. You think your people are gonna wanna stay with you when you get out of production? They're gonna go find someone else that's producing. So in your mind, what do you have to do differently to go from being salesperson, you know, by the way, 90 transactions a year, 100 transactions sure. a year, that's a great salesperson. What do you have to do to go from that to being a leader? I think it's a little bit of maturity and Making, a, making it a focus that I want to be a good leader. Uh, find where my flaws are and try to correct them and find where my strengths are as a leader and you know, try to focus on that as well. So business maturity, yeah. identifying your strengths and your weaknesses as a leader and trying to correct and obviously improve on the weaknesses. Yes. Well, I think you've proven to us, for anyone that follows you on social media, you definitely have the discipline to take action on what it is you say you need to do, right? Um, you've gone through a, a health and wellness journey recently. I have. Can you share with us about that? Yeah, if anybody has, if anybody is in Kate Simon's world, you're inadvertently going to become a health and fitness nut. And it goes back to, you know, my unreal life. Well, but wait a minute, she'll, she'll give it about five years. She, she has an expiration date. So that, oh so, man, I just wait long know. enough. I can't even talk to her about health and fitness anymore. She said, Jeff, your expiration date is up. I gave you five years. So you made it within the five-year window. You know, that was just going back to Matt's, you know, who do you need to become? My unreal life included getting in good physical shape. And yep. there's certain things like... Were you not happy with the shape that you were in? You know, you, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I got into better shape and I started posting pictures of myself with my shirt off on social media. And, you know, those are just... Those. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, those are just things I was talking to Justin Ford at lunch. You know, you can't, you can't buy, you can't pay money for the level of confidence to take your shirt off on social media. And there's just certain things that. Uh, <laughs> and also, it's, it's, it's sort of proven that if you follow, the same principles that I use to lose a bunch of weight are the same principles I use to grow my business through Glover U. It was finding a coach, finding a program. You know, I, got, I love CrossFit. That's very similar to Glover U. You show up, they tell you what to do, you do it, and you get the results. And I, I believe that when you, start to, when you start to get good at things that are hard, you build confidence within yourself. And I, I firmly believe I can learn to do anything I wanted to do. Can you repeat that last sentence or two? I believe that I can learn how to do anything in the world I wanted to do. And you didn't have that thought before? I did not. And why do you have that thought now? Because I've done it. I mean, I've proven to myself. I've kept commitments to myself. You know, I post every, so many people here have told me about it. I post every day at 4.55 a.m. when I'm at the, the CrossFit gym. And when that alarm goes off at 4 o'clock in the morning, if I hit snooze, I know I'm starting the day by breaking a promise to myself. Yeah. And if I get and up, the social media. And the social media and to anybody that follows me. Which by the way, that's accountability. You know, some people that's say, why oh, why is he just showing off? No, no, no. You realize a lot of people do that, you know, for accountability. I mean, that's great accountability. Yeah. So you proved that you could do it and you went from do you did you track, you know, what do you track? Measurements, weight, what, tell me what was I, I tracked weight and I've lost fifty pounds in eight months. Eight months, Woo! fifty pounds. Wow. Uh, ladies, would you like to see him take his shirt off right here on stage? <laughs> nice job. So, when you look at your fitness journey, let's just, one, more, one or two more questions on this. 50 pounds in eight months, how do you keep it off? Because I feel like there's a lot of people today, and including me, I mean, everyone's gone through diets and so yep. forth. It comes and goes and comes and goes. How do you stay that way? And what, what makes you think you're going to keep it off? I'm not sure I'm going to keep it off, but what I've done is every time I've gotten to like the next point, I throw all my old clothes away 
and buy new clothes. And I've done that three times. That way, there's just sort of no going back. It's sort of burning the boats and burning the boats. Um, I'm not getting. I'm keeping the old clothes. And also, it's sort of, you know, you don't want your clothes to feel too baggy because then psychologically, you're like, well, I'm losing a lot of weight. So now I yeah. just I don't feel like I am. Yep. And I track macros, which I have an app that I track every single thing I eat. And I, it's just Kate has helped me make it more of a lifestyle than a fad. And bingo, right? Because yeah. so many people diet. It's got to be a new just it's, it's a, a lifestyle. new way of living. It's a lifestyle, yeah. right? Last piece of advice, if you're in the crowd today, and maybe it's your first Glover U event, maybe it's your 50th, best piece of advice you can give the crowd today. Can I give two? Go for it. Follow this guy because he will never let you down, and you know if he's saying something, it's because he's doing it and it works. And also expose yourself to as many big thinkers as possible because you can only grow to the level you're exposed to. Love it. Gino, thank you. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an Unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover U on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. Until next time.